You know, I, I, love, uh, I love dedications. I love seeing, um, you know, don't you, don't you just, when you look at a baby, you just think innocence, right? You all of a sudden want to think like protection. You think, you see these babies because they're so innocent, that nature hasn't kicked in yet. And what nature am I talking about? You know that nature. If you had kids, wave at me. If you have kids that are over the age of five years old, you know what I'm talking about. That nature will kick in, right? That nature of like, uh, there is no kid, their first word is like, yes, ma'am. You know what I mean? Every kid is like, no, right? No, my way. I remember um, we were living in Baton Rouge, and I was going to tell this story because I thought Allie was uh, working in the kids today, but she's not. So it's about her. She was about five years old, right? Five years old. And this is when I realized, oh, my God, this, this, is, this is real. This is real. She, see, when she was little, it was just, you know, her and I and just relationship, just innocent, honest. And I noticed I noticed the nature kicking in. So I was in the kitchen, and it was past her bedtime, and she wanted to stay up past her bedtime. And not only that, she had an ulterior motive, and this is what she did. I'm sitting on the counter, and she's like, hey, Dad, I want to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, this is a special daughter-daddy moment, right? And she opens up the fridge, and she says, hey, Dad, what is this? And I'm like, babe, that's, that's mustard. Oh, do you like mustard? I'm like, yeah, I love mustard. Mustard's really good. I'm thinking, this is good conversation. Then she raises up, hey, what's that? Babe, that's pickles or that's relish. Do you like relish? And I'm like, yeah, I like relish. I'm thinking, she just wants to spend time and see what I like. And I look around the corner. The whole time she's distracting me and eating pie out of the fridge. (laughs) She's like, hey, Dad, what's this? She was tricking me. In other words, she was saying, I'm using this, I love you and all, but I'm using this relationship to get what I want. (laughs) And I realized we have a problem. I started to notice this thing is natural in us that we tend to, as humans, to be selfish. Maybe I'm the only one. If I'm the only one, just stretch your hands and pray for me then. But we tend to be selfish. If you don't know if you're selfish or not, singles, get married. (laughs) You'll find out really quick if you're selfish. You'll find out really quick. And this is something I wish that, you know what, you get this down and marriage is just like you agree on everything, you understand each other. It's a lifelong journey, especially during COVID. I mean, before COVID, you just show up at a restaurant, you don't need a reservation. Now, ordering stuff, it is complicated. Where do you want to go? Lee always says, where do you want to go? And I'm like, this is where I want to go. We'll go wherever you want to go. This is where I want to go. I don't want to go there. I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) Before, we'd get aggravated and just be like, we're stopping here. Now we can't do that anymore because we have to have a reservation. Now we're like, we finally agree, let's go to this place, and there's no reservation. So this is tension. And I realize when I get in the restaurant, I really want what I want because I like what I like. And she's like, hey, babe, what do, what do you want? What do you want? Let's share something. This is kind of an expensive place. Let's, you know, share a dish. What do you want? I'm like, I would like the steak. She's like, I don't want that. <laughs> and I feel like I have to go to the cross and say, God, help me because there is this strain even in marriage. Listen, marriage, if you don't fight We don't call it fight. It's heavy discussions. If you don't fight, there's something wrong. 
So if you've been fighting a lot lately, you are doing a good job. That's what I'm saying. No, this is the truth. Because it takes work to submit to one another. It takes work to say, what do you want? What do I want? How do we work this out? Because really it is two becoming one. I don't know if you've noticed, but women are totally different than men. They're totally different. They, they, everything, the way, that, the way they think, the way we think is totally different. And, and even Paul said, these two becoming a one, it's a mystery. <laughs> That's what Paul said. And I am very convinced, I am very convinced that in order to keep love alive and real union alive, then you have to have genuine love because genuine love that comes from God is the opposite of selfishness. That's the only way that I see it working. And yes, we have to, uh, we have to figure it out. And, and yes, we have to work out like, what do you want? What do you want? But marriage, the beauty of it is that when you come into humility, when you say that I'm sorry, right? Marriage, if you want a good marriage, learn how to pray. Pray. Pray for your marriage. Pray for your spouse. Pray for yourself because if you're married in here, I guarantee you, you want what you want. She wants what she wants. How do you come together? It is, it is, a, a, it is a time when you actually have a relationship with God and your heart is soft and you submit to God. And that's how a marriage actually works out. That's not even my message today, but it is an example that we all want our own thing. We all want to do our own thing and live for ourselves. But Jesus said, if you want a successful marriage, serve your wife as Christ served the church. That's not easy. That's not easy. Because the truth is, people don't fall out of love, they fall out of honor. And to keep love alive, you have to continually honor. And if you're going to continually honor, trust me, you'll have to continually forgive. Because there's nobody that's perfect. And if you want to really have genuine forgiveness, it is only through what God can bring. It is a gift of forgiveness. It is a gift of repentance. You can try to do five steps, and it's still lingering. But when you have a relationship with God, God will begin to melt that all away and have you get you a soft heart so that you can actually serve one another. And God created us. God created us to serve one another. But when we do not do that, we will find ourselves empty. We will find ourselves depressed. We will find ourselves climbing the selfish ladder and getting nowhere. The Bible says, what is it to gain the whole world and lose your only soul? And God invented this, that he wants you to have this heart to serve because Jesus Jesus, he said, I did, not come to I did not come to be served, but to serve. Think about that. God, God in heaven, he knows everything. He's omniscient. God comes in bodily form, and he says, I did not come as a king to be served. I came as a king to serve. I am showing you a demonstration on how to love. See, God is not love. God is, love is not something that God does. Love is something that God is. God, Jesus came on the earth and said, I'm going to show you the heart of the Father by showing how I operate. And you have, listen, when you think of the word genius, what do you think of? 
You might think of Einstein. You might think of Mozart. When I think of genius, I think of Jesus. He made all the complicated things very simple. And he said, listen, I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to show you the secret to humanity. And it is to love God with everything and to love your neighbor as yourself. And love is not a selfish word. He came and he did not see himself. He did not put himself above. He actually had mercy and grace. I can tell you the people that have the least amount of mercy and grace are probably religious people. People that feel like their salvation came from what they did and not what Jesus did. Because if you gained it, then you can take credit for it. And if you take credit for it, you're going to be prideful about it. And if you're prideful about it, you'll look down on others. And Jesus never did that. He said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but I came to the world that they might have life and life more abundantly. How many of you are glad that you serve a God like that? And see, that's why it's so important today that we have really a good concept or we know who God really is because if you don't know how loving and how great God is, you'll let the world tell you who God is and and it will skew your thoughts and you'll find yourself more in a place of struggle than reigning and, and living this life that's a blessed life. How many of you say, I want the grip of grace? And so I'm gonna give you three declarations of a servant's heart, three declarations of a servant's heart. And it's, this is the first one. By grace, I will live for purpose and not for myself. The first thing. By grace, I will live for purpose and not for myself. Isn't it interesting? You know, uh, there was somebody that said, Jesus, well, if you were to sum up all the commandments, what would it be? And it said, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as your... So the Bible isn't saying neglect yourself. The Bible isn't saying neglect yourself. As a matter of fact, the Bible's saying you need to love you, and if you don't love you, you will not be able to love other people. And that's why a lot of relationships don't work out because somebody doesn't love themselves, and they, it is impossible for them to love other people. If you don't love yourself, you're not going to love other people, but loving people is the secondary consequence of loving God and loving who he made you to be. And so I want to encourage you today, let's make things simple. Let's make things simple. Your purpose is people. Your purpose is people. Jesus said, I came. Jesus said, I came to save that which is lost. And then he said, come and follow me. My spirit is now in you. So if he came to save that it is lost, if he came for people, then you're actually on the earth for people as well because he lives inside of you. He lives in you. If it's Jesus' purpose, then it's our purpose. It's our purpose. And so today, we've all heard the the message, John 3.16. I want to give you two John 3.16s because there's two John 3.16s, and they actually go together. The first John 3.16, we all know it. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and I love that word gave because you you can't love without giving. Love is sacrifice. Love is sacrifice. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So I know that my giving is connected to my loving. And when I stop giving 
and I've stopped loving people, then I realize that there is not a strong enrichment of love in my heart. So let's look at this. The second John 3.16 actually comes from 1 John 3.16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has uh, enough money to live well and sees a brother and sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show, let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. God says, I showed you how much I loved you. I showed you what it is to love. Now this is your purpose. I want to bless you. I want to give you a great family. I want you to be blessed. You're going to have the blessing of Abraham. But I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing. I'm blessing you because we are here. Our purpose here is for people. To love people because that's what Jesus did. And we will see that in our life, when we start focusing just on us and not God, we become selfish and we don't love our children like we're supposed to love them. We don't love our spouses like we're supposed to love them. We don't love our neighborhood like we're supposed to love them because that love starts to get contaminated. That's why I want to talk about a servant, a servant with a pure heart. A servant with a pure heart. And, and that's why I wanted to really title, I wanted to title this a certain way because it is true that you can serve, but you can serve without integrity. I don't know if you've seen any politicians that have served but haven't served without integrity. It's a shame, but sometimes we can serve for us and not really be honest and pure about it. So the first thing that a pure servant declares is, number one, by grace I will live for purpose, not for myself. But the second one is this, and this is so important, I pray that we grasp this today. I pray that we grasp this today because uh, I, I, I'm dreaming about a church that doesn't judge people that walk in the doors. You know what? Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, that the church today and Christians have a bad rap. Can we just say it? We have a bad billboard. When people think that are far away from God, that think about church, they think of judgmental, I got it all together people. And I'm here to tell you that couldn't be more opposite of the truth. The reason we come together in community is because our common denominator is Jesus and we all need him. And so how can we judge people out there when we know if it weren't for grace with me? Come on, I know where some of you would be if it weren't for grace. I know where some of you would be if it weren't for grace. If it weren't for grace for me, then I have no clue where I would be. And how dare I point the finger because you didn't get where you are by yourself. And so a lot of times we will tag I am, I am for people, but our motives can get wrong. That's actually how the Pharisees operated. Are y'all tracking with me today? Can we just be real about it today? See, you can live for people with impure motives. 
God says the religious people had a form of godliness, but not the very spirit or the power of God or the heart of God. The people draw close to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It's like a marriage that you're sitting on the couch together holding hands, but you're not feeling it. You're saying, I love you, I love you, but you know it's not the kind of love you you said when you first started dating. See, when you really like somebody and love somebody, you're going to tell. I never thought about pulling money out of a bank for the amount that I did for Leah's ring. But love, giving, giving was connected to my love. I can tell how much you love by how much you give. And so when we stop giving, we will tell that we stop loving. But I want this to be our second declaration. By grace, I will choose God's love over the world's love. And I want to be very clear with this because this can get convoluted. This can get uh, watered down. This can get cloudy because we start to think, even in the church, see the Bible says that the little bit of leaven can ruin the whole lump. And we start to think that the world's love is connected to God's love, and they can, they're the opposite. They're the reciprocal. So the world's love is all about feelings. See, Hollywood could say, hey, you fell in love, you can fall out of love. That is not God's kind of love. God's kind of love that's agape love is the right choices. It's not about feelings. I'm glad that Jesus went to the cross even though he didn't feel like it. So when we make the right choices, we have the benefit of right feelings and blessings, but don't get convoluted that if you're not feeling it, it doesn't mean that it's not right. So the right choices make the right feelings. And the world, when the world starts to get in us, we can still be serving people but doing it with a wrong heart. Can I read this to you? Because God's love is different than the world's love. I can say, hey, I love that, I love that outfit. Hey, I love this building. Hey, I love, I love this city. I, I can say it flip, flippantly, but God's love is different. And I believe my, my whole objective today is for us to get a glimpse of God's love so it touches us so that we can love each other. I can tell you this, that I don't see um, a, a, a cancel culture anywhere in the Bible. Well, he hurt your feelings. Okay. Okay, he hurt your feelings. How about we stop being so sensitive? How about we start to rely on him and we start to get his grace to love other people? Because I can tell you this, if a generation grows up and says, I can't be in this relationship because my feelings were hurt, you'll never have a long-lasting relationship. In a marriage, your feelings are going to get hurt, but God gives you this thing called forgiveness. And I'm not saying stay in a toxic relationship, but if you're going to be in any normal relationship, you're going to have to learn to forgive and love. Come on, somebody. The world will start to, don't be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. That's what the Bible says. Don't let the world in, because the Bible says this, we're about to read it. When the world comes in, the love of God goes out. They don't mix. They don't mix. And we can be so culturally in tune that we don't notice that the world's love is coming in. And Risa, come and play while everybody thinks 
I'm going to close. Everybody can think that for a second. <laughs> I'm, I only got five minutes. 1 John 2.15, it talks about the world's love. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out the love of the Father. Practically everything that goes in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important. I'm going to say that again. Wanting to appear important. What you doing? So busy, man. I'm so busy. I'm so important. Man, I'm just, you know, hashtag 100, hashtag grinds. Just never get a break. Tired, tired. How you doing? Tired. So busy, so important. So busy serving people. I don't have time to love my wife. So busy serving people. I don't have time to love my neighbor. I'm so busy, so busy, so important. But really the importance or the loving other people really has to do with you. That's why a, a, fair, a, a religious leader one time asked Jesus, he was like, because Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And he was like, really, tell me who my neighbor is. Because someone, someone that is selfish only wants to love people that will love them back. I'm going to say that again. Selfish love will only love people that will love them back. So a Pharisee, a religious ruler, see, they're about uh, my investment. How's my investment here? If, if I'm going to scratch somebody else's back or they're going to scratch mine. Jesus laid his life down for the whole world knowing that many would not accept salvation. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. And so a religious person will say, how can I uh, network here and really tell me who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, this is a perfect setup. He says, there's this guy. He's a Samaritan. Now, the Samaritans and Jews did not get along, and he knew that. And he knew that racial divide and racial tension and political ideas will cause people to spread apart and not come in unity. And Jesus knew he was a genius. He knew how to break it. He said, this is the problem. There was a Samaritan. There was a Samaritan that came later after these religious people didn't help this guy on the road. This guy on the road, he was mangled. He was torn. They stole stuff from him. But you had this Levite. And the Levite, they're the holy ones in the temple. they got to be busy with the house of God. And he sees the person laying down on the road. And the Levi's like, oh, man, too bad for him. He must have been, he must have made a lot of bad decisions. He must have, man, he, he must have really not followed God like I did. And then you have another religious ruler that passes him by and says, oh, man, I'm sorry, I hope somebody, somebody that's on that God's level can help them because I got to do the things for God in God's house. And the Bible says that a good Samaritan that wasn't even a Jew saw this man and he was filled with compassion. And he said, listen, he began to get down in his mess and begin to wipe away his wounds, put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn and said, I will pay everything. I'm going to come back and check up on him. Not because he thought if he did this, he will get anything in return, but he knew this, if I do this of the least of these, I'm doing it to my Father in heaven. 
And that's what God says. God says, don't just love people that are going to love you back. Love people even though you know that they're not going to love you back. Hello, God knew everything. He knew Judas was in the group and still washed his feet. Counterculture. Well, I don't agree with them. I don't agree with them. I don't like them. Don't let the world become your word. Because God's word is true. And if we want to live a life that's full of freedom and full of life and full of blessing, we cannot listen to this thing that, you know, I will love with these conditions. God says, no, this is love. Love is patient. I don't see too much patience on Facebook. Love is kind. I don't see too much kindness on social media. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not boast. It doesn't parade itself. It doesn't try to get its own way. Love forgives. Love conquers all. Love believes all. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that believes in us? And I pray today, I pray today that we get, we catch, we catch this sense of Jesus. He's about to go and he's about to, to be away and and. And, and God, and Jesus tells his disciples, he says, you see these religious rulers that use their authority to get their own way and put burdens on people and think that they're better than, you see these people that love power, you see these people, he said, you're not going to be that way. He said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, be the least in the least. And he said, I want to demonstrate something for you. And in that culture, in that day, when you came in on a long journey, your feet would be dirty and the servant would be the one that washed feet. And Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the ruler of all rulers says, this is how I want you to be. And he takes off his towel and he gets on his knees and he begins to wash feet, including Judas. He washes feet and he says, this is how you live. You want to feel free? You want to have a grip of grace? You want to have unmerited favor in your life? You want to be full of joy, full of peace, full of right standing? You want to have that? This is how you live. Live for purpose, not yourself. Begin to wash people's feet, not for what they can do for you, but because you know when I do it to the least of these, I'm doing it for him. I will choose God's love over the world's love. And this is the last one. See, the truth of the matter is, the, he says, I resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. I resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. I can tell you today, religion will make you prideful. When you start to take credit for what only God could do in your life, and you say, well, you know what, I just really looked in the mirror and I pulled up my bootstraps and I said I had to go, and it's your performance, it's your performance instead of what God did for you, you will naturally become critical, you will naturally become hard, cold and hard, and you'll walk around. Have you ever seen Christians like this? It looked like they, they got baptized in vinegar. Like, why are you so serious? How many of you know that God is love, God is joy? 
And I'm here to tell you, if we want joy, it's going to come by serving others and loving others and getting full of God in our life. Religion, religion will begin to strip that away because there's something called self-righteousness. You've done it to yourself, but when you are in a place when you know I was at my end if, and if it were not for God. See, the Bible says that he first loved you. That's why you loved him. He first loved you. That's why you loved him. And, and the reason why we're able to love is because we realize that he loved us even when we were not lovable, even when we were not doing right. And you might not be doing right here today and feel like God's far away. He's actually close to the brokenhearted. He actually loves you in your mess. He actually loves you when you don't do right. When my kids don't do right, I'm saying, I don't say, you know what, today I'm not your father. Today I choose not to love you. No, no, no. You are his creation. You are the apple of his eye. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. It is not about your performance. He knows who you are. He created you, and he is your advocate today. I'm here to tell you, if it's been hard to love other people, I want to challenge you to find this man named Jesus that he is love. Because when you get filled with him, you can't help but love other people. Some of you in here, you're remembering where you came from. You don't want to tell, you don't want to tell the darkest points of where you've been. We love to have an Instagram society that we only like to show our beautiful and best and edited, but you know where you were. And if it were not for grace, if it were not for grace, what if we loved other people like that? When they're around you, they don't feel judgment. They don't feel criticism. They feel the love of Jesus. You will not be able to stop the growth of the church because people are attracted to love. We need love. We were born to have God's love. And if you want to be fulfilled, get the love of God. This is the third declaration we're going to close. By grace, I will love others the way Jesus loved me. Aren't you glad that God forgave us? This is for somebody today, and I think I'm going to close on this. Aren't you glad that God forgave you before you did anything? Let me ask you, is there somebody that you're holding unforgiveness to today? Because this will cut out the love flow of your life. I'm not saying they didn't do anything wrong. I'm asking, have you forgiven them? Forgiving them doesn't mean that you have to be best friends, but forgiving them, the Bible says that it gives it to God. You're no longer the judge. He is the judge, and you let it go. You let it go, and you let God be the judge. And the Bible says to even bless your enemies. If somebody asks you to carry their pack for a mile, carry it two miles, this is where the rubber meets the road. When's the last time you loved people that rejected you? When I, when I say the word unforgiveness, who do you think of? That's the person God wants you to pray for, and that's the person God wants you to bless, and it's going it, to cause that poison that's inside of you. It's going to dry it up. See, that poison, the reason why we can't love each other is because we have this poison called unforgiveness, and it soaks up all the love in us. And God is saying it is not worth it. You feel like you're pay, they're, they're paying a price. You're the one that's getting unhealthy and getting toxic because of your unforgiveness. And God says, I want you to let it go. As a matter of fact, Joseph was, was 
rejected by his own brothers, but God began to elevate him and he became a blessing so he could bless those that rejected him. God's gonna begin to do things where you're able to bless your own enemies because this is not just about blessing those that bless us. This is about loving like Jesus loved. It's how we get fulfilled. Are y'all okay today? See, this is the dilemma. We cannot give what we don't receive. We cannot give what we don't receive. Jesus loved you, he forgave you, and he also believes the best in you. How about we become a people? See, you're at your best when you believe the best. How about quit getting forget, quit getting offended and believe the best in somebody? Maybe we don't know what they're going through. Maybe they don't. The Bible says quit trying to get the log out of somebody else's uh, uh, or speck out of somebody else's eye when you have a big old fat log in your own. The Bible says that those that judge, that they will be judged. So you point one finger, but you got fingers pointing back at you. And if you feel like you're condemned, if you feel like you can't do enough, it might be because you've taken the place of God and judged. How about we get rid of all unforgiveness today? I believe you're gonna be able to laugh, smile, and be full of joy this week because you let unforgiveness go. How about we do this? Number one, we forgive, even if people don't deserve it. Number two, we're gonna be the, believe the best in them. Aren't you glad that God believed the best in you when you were at your worst? We're gonna begin to believe the best in people. We're at our best when we believe the best. And I love this. Do you know what the word favor means? Or the word grace means? It means undeserved favor. God blessed you when we didn't deserve it. How about we become a blessing for others when they don't deserve it either? Who is God telling you to bless today? That neighbor that flipped you off? No, that can't be God. That's the enemy to bless them. No, that's actually God. That neighbor that flipped you off, gave you, said you were number one the other day? That's who God is telling you to bless. That person that hurt you when you were little? You need to just call and say, hey, I just want you to know that, that God's love, he forgave me, and I, I want to forgive you. Bless him. You will find a freedom in your life. Can we all stand up right where we are? We're going to close on that. How do we love? We love by loving each other. That spouse, that spouse, let me tell you, let me tell you, the people that are closest to you can make the deepest wounds. It is the truth. And you might have some loved ones that said some things to you that went down deep. That whole thing, sticks and stones, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever wrote that was a liar. They didn't know what they were talking about. Because words can go down deep. And if you're here today and you're still holding on to something that your spouse said, I want to encourage you today to let it go. Begin to pray for that person. Begin to love that person. Begin to give even when you don't feel like you are receiving. A lot of times when we think if they just change, everything will be good. Remember this, when we change, everything changes. Say that after me. When I change, everything changes. One more time. When I change, everything changes. It's true. Can we start that change today? that we start to be about people, we start to love again and not be so jaded 
and not cut people off so easily. Can we do something? If we look at Jesus on the cross and him suffering at the cross, he would have done that if you were the only person on the planet before you ever loved him back. Can we see his love for us in this moment? Can you just close your eyes and picture Jesus on the cross? It wasn't the Roman guards that put him on the cross. It was our sins that put him on the cross. He paid for our sins, and he wants to look at you today while he's on that cross, while he's bleeding, when 39 stripes went on his back, thorns in his head, pierced in hands and feet, and he looks at you today. He looks at you today and says, son, daughter, I love you. I would do it all again because I love you. Now, I want you to receive that love right now, and I want you to begin to love those that haven't loved you in return. There's been moments we have not loved God. We've all turned our backs on God. Is there somebody in here today, is there somebody on your mind that you're just letting that grip of death on you? I pray today that you let go of that death, that unforgiveness in your life, and you start to pick up this grip of grace in your life today. And if that's you today, I want you to say this. If you feel comfortable, just lift your hands right where you are, right where you are. Just lift your hands, and I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you forgave me, that you believe in me, that you bless me. Now today, I make a choice It's not a feeling. I make a choice because God's love is a choice. It's not a feeling. I make a choice, say it again, I make a choice to forgive. Now, just underneath your breath, I want you to say that person's name. I forgive this person, my mom, my dad, my spouse, your aunts, your uncles, and somebody, that person. I forgive them. Now, right now, some of us don't think that we hear from God, but you do because a good thought comes from God and the wrong thought comes from the, the enemy. And right now, God is going to give you a thought of what to do, how to bless them, how to pray for them. It might be uncomfortable, but the cross was uncomfortable to Jesus. When you see what he has done, you are empowered to do more than what you can do. Who is somebody you need to let go right now? I just feel it in the room right now. Some people are letting people go right now. Deep hurts and deep wounds, things that you couldn't get over. God is lifting right now. He is breaking chains and chains are falling right now in your life. You're feeling the presence of God more than you have before. You feel his heart, that thing that you feel that makes you want to cry, that thing that you feel that is hope. That's God right now. And when the more you release, the more love of God you will feel in your life right now. Lord, I thank you that you're here. Your word says when two or more are gathered together, you're in our midst. And right now, I thank you that you give us the grace to forgive. Now, Lord, I thank you that we're making this declaration together. Can we say this together? Say this after me. Today, I make the decision that people are my purpose. Today, I make the decision that I'm at my best when I believe the best. Today, I make the decision to serve over being served. Lord, I thank you that you're doing it, not by power, not by might. And before we leave today, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm not going to embarrass you. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Don't try to get it all right and come to God. Come to God and he'll get it all right. Today is your day. This life is nothing but a puff of smoke. 
It comes and it goes. It's nothing but a vapor. And today is the day of salvation. Don't wait for tomorrow. Today, God is saying, son, daughter, I want to be involved in your life. I want to be your father. If that's you today, say this. We're going to all say it together. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I turn away from my ways and I receive you in my heart. Forgive me, cleanse me, change me from this day forward. You are my Savior and you are my Lord. I follow you all the days of my life. With nobody looking around and even online, if that's you today, nobody looking around, just slip up your hand. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I see your hand, I see your hand. Just slip up your hand. You say, I prayed that prayer today. God bless you. Online, God bless you. If Today, the Bible says this. The Bible says that when one person gives their life to God, all the heavens rejoice. Can we rejoice with heaven today? On the count of three, we're going to celebrate with heaven because of those that chose to turn to God. Are you ready? One, two, three. Come on, give God a hand today. Give God a shout. He is